Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Raj Chapalu. Raj, so graciously joining me after being on every single Lakers podcast this week. Raj, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Sabrina. It's great to be back on I Love Basketball. Um, I'm hoping we get better basketball to watch. There's been <laughs> there's been fun games, at least today, around the NBA. Mm-hmm. But our 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 game was a, a little bit of a rough watch for sure. Uh, I'd like to remind the listeners that Raj and I have bet on the Lakers record through the first six games. <laughs> I, <don't. laughs> I gave Raj odds on the Lakers going five and one. So that means that they have to win their next five games for him to cash out. Uh, I mean, I'm not excited about it, but <laughs> I just want to put that out there for people to know. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was five and two. Was it not five and two? Or no, it's it six and... games. We definitely talked about six games. Okay, okay, all right. I don't even one. know who the Lakers' seventh game is. Honestly, I've only been focused on these first six. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm I'm already off to a rough start. I guess uh, we. Have I a... mean, I anticipated the Lakers losing to Golden State just because the Warriors are a terrifically bad matchup for them. Um, I mm-hmm. did mistakenly believe that ring nights were harder for the home <laughs> team to win, which was wildly incorrect. Uh, heading into last night, NBA champs are 59 and 16 on ring nights. So now that makes it mm-hmm. 60 and 16, which is about a 76 win percentage, just outstanding. Um, granted, they're all home games, but still, like, that's way better than a normal team's home record. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just because the Lakers lose a lot on ring nights. No, the Lakers are 11 and six on ring nights. Perfectly acceptable. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Record in these situations. (laughs) Granted, a big chunk of the losses, but that's just because the Lakers have won a lot of the championships in NBA history. Uh, So I don't really know where that came from. Maybe the margins are a little bit lower than like they would be in a normal game. Maybe teams get Mm -hmm. off to a slower start. That could be part of it. I mean, like Golden State scored at least 32 in every quarter after the first. So they definitely took... A little while to get going, but yeah, that was a mistake on my part. Uh, I will no longer think that a team entering its ring night has an uphill battle because that is definitely not the case. Uh, but just getting back to the the Lakers as a whole, um, again, not not a terribly surprising outcome. Just again because of all of the continuity that the Warriors have, uh, the fact that they get a lot of threes against a Lakers team that is trying to play drop right now. Um, The back cuts Mm -hmm. were just absolutely killing us. Uh, Pat Bev being unable to stay on the court for more than like three minutes at a time before picking up fouls. Like just a lot of factors working against the Lakers. (laughs) Uh, I know you already talked about this on the post game spaces. So I'm going to try to switch this up a little bit. Let's just start at the very beginning starting lineup. Did you like what the Lakers did? No, I didn't, honestly. Okay. I think we, so. I think it's funny, and I said this the other night too, but uh, we did the SP Nation, you know, everyone kind of picked their yeah. starters. I don't think anyone had Russell Westbrook. Not a single stuff. person had Russell Westbrook in the starting five. <laughs> yeah, no one had Russ starting, which he did eventually start. I disagreed with it, Serena, from a point of like, I don't think Golden State, especially, was a team to go small against. I think they're a team that shoots over you. I honestly think Golden State didn't care about this game until after like the first quarter. <laughs> um, we held them to 25 points. And I thought that was the quarter where you should have been up like five, but LeBron was like one for four or something like that. And, and we sent him to the just, foul line 12 times. So yeah. Bunch of free throws. Yeah. Um, and then Clay Thompson just was like, I'm going to shoot over Kendrick Nunn because he can do that. Andrew Wiggins, shoot over his guys. Steph Curry, Jordan Poole. 
felt like they were in empty gyms. Um, so that's why I thought I picked JTA to start, but I just wanted to go a little bigger. I just don't think you can start that small against the Clippers either, but especially against the Warriors too. Um, yeah, I did disagree today. What do you What do you think? Did you think like the Did you think that mattered in the end of the game really, or would that have really impacted it? Um, I mean, I just think that the Lakers need to get more shooting on the floor. And as good as I think Lonnie Walker was during the preseason, he's not a shooter. And, like, they don't consider him a shooter, defenses, I mean to say. And the ball leaving his hands doesn't really suggest that he's much of a shooter. No. So, I think, I mean, I understand everyone has, like, very strong interest in the Kendrick Nunn sixth man experience and, like, his ability to run a unit and have the ball in his hands more often. But he is by far the best shooter on this roster. And I just think, I mean, other than Matt Ryan, maybe, but, like, obviously we're not going to start Matt Ryan. I just think that that means Kendrick Nunn needs to be like around those stars as much as possible. Um, So, I mean, it's probably like reductive to say that we need to change the starting lineup after one game, but I really do think that Kendrick Nunn needs to be on the floor with LeBron and AD more often. Yeah. I want to like go back really quick. Do you remember after summer league, I was like, Cole Swider has yes. to play. <laughs> I'm sorry. And a whole bunch of people thought I was. For those upset. of you listening, you should have seen the way Raj's face lit up when I said Kendrick Gunn was the best shooter. <laughs> so ready to jump in. <laughs> no, because I remember at that time, and this is, we had our roster pretty set. The Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. stuff was still swirling around, but at the time we had our roster and I was like, I mean, I think Cole Swider might need to play. And the, everyone thought I was pretty crazy. And I was thinking just there's not, a, like, real shooters on the team. Kendrick Dunn, mm-hmm. even though you explain he's probably the best, like, just shooter in totality, he's still not the type where, like, you have Kendrick Dunn spotting up in the corner all the time. The teams are going to respect that to an yeah, extent. Yeah, and he didn't seem comfortable taking that many shots off the catch either, which was a little weird. He's not that type of shooter, though. And even his yeah. jump shot, if you watch it, it's a rhythm jumper, right? It's yeah. a, like flow off the dribble to the right he's more comfortable stepping back I think Lonnie Walker is the same way not really that type of catch and shoot guy likes to dribble into mid-range pull-ups all our shooters are like that and you joked about Matt Ryan not starting but honestly Serena, I went back rewatched that game our offense looked the best when like he was on the floor and not what about because... our defense rush <laughs> oh god that was well anyone <laughs> you put in that spot really is not going to do well but um let's, let's say like if Matt when Matt Ryan was on the floor we were running like these shooter plays right he's coming off dribble handoffs he was firing they weren't going in at the extent that you'd like um but like it just looked like we need at least one that one kind of shooter um that can at least pull up have a quick release and we just don't have that that's why like remember i told you matt ryan was like the second sub in one of our preseason games i was like that's a serious look like i don't think that was something you said that the lakers were unserious for doing that Well, it looks it looks real. And I think, you know, Ham's trying to figure out um, who to play in that spot and whoever can hit shots will play. Um, and we just didn't hit any open threes that night. And that's just not sustainable. So you're right. They're going to have to try to find shooting. But look, I think Cole Swider, Matt Ryan are all going to get looks. At least they're tall dudes who are supposedly shooters. Um, and especially if our guards aren't hitting. Um, but yeah, that was a rough watch. Just curious, why do you think Matt Ryan is getting these minutes over Cole Swider? What is he bringing to the table that Cole doesn't? I think one, he's seen NBA defenses. So I think like his shot is at least is a little quicker as well mm-hmm. off, off the catch. Um, he's more of a movement shooter as well. Cole's uh, Cole's not really there yet. He hasn't really seen NBA defense. So you can tell he still takes his time. Um, and I think he's like a little bit more quicker off the catch. Okay. And uh, is a little bigger as well. Um uh, I think just 
more bulked up than than Cole Cole is so far. Are we at the point where you're considering starting Matt Ryan or? No, I'm not no. there yet. <laughs> I'd Just rather put him on go Marcus there. Morris. See what happens. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's gonna that's gonna be fun to watch tomorrow. <laughs> fun is not the word that I would use. <laughs> Well, really quick, Sabrina. There's no way we can start three guards tomorrow, right? Like that, no. that can't happen. Yeah. So I, I look at this Lakers roster, and I mean, I'm not saying that I see a ton of defensive talent, but I would say that if our team were to skew one way or the other, I think we have more defensive talent than offensive talent. Like I think okay. Pat Bev is better defensively than he is offensively, even though I think he's overrated defensively and underrated offensively. I think Austin Reeves. Eh. going into yesterday's game i thought he was better defensively than offensively the backups kind of kind of scared me a little bit uh you know wendy and gabriel i think defensively more than offensively uh lonnie probably skews the other way um kendrick none too but like i think there's a, a theory of how the lakers could be a really good defense more so than how they could be like a passable offense so i would okay. rather they just lean into being an awesome defense and just be like, F it, we're going to try to limit teams to 100 points and then just hope that we get enough stops to score in transition. Kind of like the the 2019-20 model, which obviously had much more offensive talent than this current team. But just the fact that like our decisions appear to be made with the intent of juicing up the offense instead of the defense bothers me because I just don't think there's as much upside on that side of the floor. Right, right. No, no, that makes sense. And... Well, to me, that's really like with Russ starting, right? You kind of have to give him that space offensively because then it looks just too ugly. And I think you it were one of the... looks ugly anyway. <laughs> that's fair. But I think you were the one that kind of... So you saying that, does that mean like you want us to kind of lean towards the more bigger lineups then start Damian Jones, go full bore onto like, we're just going to be big and play defense instead of leaning into the AD at center lineups, which obviously do gear toward more offensive center and more guards more guards playing wings um is that kind of what you're saying like we should go big i guess uh, with yeah because lineups? i'm i'm looking at the way that golden state defended us and they put up oh, a wall man. regardless of whether it was five out or not right like they mm-hmm. they just packed bodies into the paint i will quibble with how some of the game was officiated <laughs> like the <laughs> amount of contact that is allowed in the paint versus the amount of contact that is allowed on the perimeter i sound like jeff van gundy when i say this but it continuously bothers me um <laughs> I, I don't believe that starting AD at the five creates as much space as it should just because of the people that the Lakers are surrounding him with, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting that benefit, I just think that leaning into the defensive side of things, like letting AD be that wing defender, that roamer, that guy who gets to defend on the perimeter and then leak out after those possessions. I mean, maybe I'm just like too vested in the way the Lakers looked in 1920 and 2021, because like those were really good teams. And I don't think they were good teams because AD was starting at the four, but like they were good teams with AD starting at the four. <laughs> like there is a way to make that happen. Uh, and as long as the Lakers aren't getting the offensive benefits of playing small, I think they really need to consider playing bigger. And that's challenging when Thomas Bryant is out, you know, for a month with yeah. his thumb surgery and Damian Jones isn't even good enough to get off the court in garbage time. And your first big off the bench is Matt Ryan. Like that makes it difficult to play big. I understand that. I also think that, you know, put Wendy and Gabriel in there and see what happens, honestly, because like 
I just, I don't like, okay. I, I mentioned this last week when you and I recorded that I hadn't watched the first four preseason games and yeah. I had been told that there was some offensive flow in those games. And there was, there, was. there have been three Laker games that I have watched since and flow is literally the last word I would use to describe what is happening on offense. I think that's a fair assessment, right? 100%. So I don't know yeah. what happened since then. Like, I don't know why the offense has changed so dramatically and just lost any sense of rhythm that like the Lakers appear to be building. But as long as the offense looks like that, I just don't see the reason to play small. Yeah, well, the conundrum with that is like your top and talent, just pure from a talent level, mm-hmm. are small guards. Like that's what sure. it is. So mm-hmm. if you play big, enter winning Gabriel in the rotation, I I advocated for JTA to start, even though he looked like just an absolute negative offensively. I just said, like, we need a wing who can, you know, do the things that he does, can can kind of connect the team. Um, I said, Wenny and JTA, like, those guys aren't in the top end of your talent pool, so you have to fit in a Kendrick Nunn, Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves. You can't really play big, even Patrick Beverly, who's, I think, looked really bad so far, just in totality. Looked really bad, pre-season. yeah. Yeah, preseason games, even that game. Foul I'm worried that off. he's watched... Yeah, I mean, fouled Clay Thompson the first play, and his his light. I think I was talking to you last time. So his light is just too green, and I just he's taking so many pulls. <laughs> I don't know where this Pat Bev came from. <laughs> so there was a clip that that released today, I guess, from his podcast where um mm-hmm. he said uh, Darvin Ham is kind of empowering them to take any open three that they see, kind of a uh, hand down, man down approach. Um, to just let them let them go. I don't think Patrick Beverly's the guy. I think that I want you know having. <laughs> Who are the guys you want having that green light? Well, I guess it. I understand giving it to like our ball handling guards, like telling Nunn and Lonnie Walker be aggressive. And okay, so when you asked where the flow go, let me let me tell you. So what happened? One is Russell Westbrook missed a few preseason games, right? Okay. So we 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 gave Kendrick Nunn the ball and said cook right or like here's here's the ball here's anthony davis run ball screens get in rhythm hit pull up jump shots um lonnie walker as well like got his own kind of units to run and and score i love lonnie in transition by the way makes such great decisions such good pace he's so much fun to watch on the break i think he needs to start like to me i would put him in pen i think like his athleticism is extremely important on this team where our guards are not only small but they're slow like patrick beverly is small and slow like i don't think you can be both of those and also play him at the small forward um but yeah that's like the tough part of us playing big is that like that those aren't the guys that are the most talented and i think the rough part of it is sabrina lebron took 10 threes that like against the warrior he seems pretty happy about it honestly (laughs) 10 three-pointers and he took this one shot which I've never seen him take in a Lakeview uniform even a Cleveland one you can let me know in transition stops at the free throw line and pulls up like the Derek Fisher shot you know like, I've never I've never seen him take that shot and it's kind of like this he needs kind of ramping himself up to a drive to the rim you throw another center out there plus Russell Westbrook on the wing where is LeBron driving to? Like, you oh, saw obviously the, the Lakers playing big assumes that Russell Westbrook is not in the starting lineup. Like, that is the number one oh, caveat okay. to all of these things. Mm, is that okay. I think we have enough information that, like, I don't think Russ played that poorly against no. Golden State. Like, by, by no means, I just don't think that you're maximizing what the Lakers have by playing him and LeBron next to each other. That's right. that's where I land. So, in the starting lineup, 
LeBron is going to be starting. So I don't think Russ should be. And I'm so disappointed that we got like this wave of intel that like, oh yeah, the Lakers, you know, watched the Minnesota game and realized that it was untenable to not stagger Russ and LeBron. And then they bring him off the bench against Sacramento. And Darwin is saying, it's not a demotion, it's a realignment. And like nothing has been realigned. (laughs) This is exactly what the Lakers looked like last year. Just plug and play a couple different guys who didn't add all that much to the final outcome. Well, even when he came off the bench, Sabrina, if you remember, he got hurt which he said later on was kind of due to coming off the bench. But sure. uh, but he, he came in and played with LeBron for like, for like four minutes. of the five minutes. <laughs> yeah, which again, just I didn't really make sense to me, the point of bringing off mm-hmm. Russ off the bench. So that's a tough part. And I don't think Russ is coming off the bench for a while, at least until so. the Lakers lose. Um, but Not until he's suiting up for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> uh, is that Thanksgiving or... Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the that's the rough part. But really quickly on the shooting. Um, so I was trying to make this point yesterday and uh, people weren't trying to hear it. But like we can't be this bad at shooting teams. Sabrina. We shot three, three for 21 at the half. These are the open looks and NBA.com open looks are kind of you have to take some of it with a grain of salt. Sure. But, so open as NBA.com kind of refers to is defenders four to six feet away. Right. You should hit those at a at least 40 something percent. Most mm-hmm. NBA teams will. Lakers on seven for 28 in those 25%. Yeah. They shot 25% on open threes. That has to at least average itself. out. What's crazy is I thought our shooting luck was turning when LeBron got fouled and Matt Ryan, like took the shot after the foul was called and he banked it in. And I was like, Oh, right. Like, Oh, this is like a, this is a sign. Like things are about to change. And no, no, not at all. But, but yeah, like I, I think they're going to kind of stick with these three guards and trying to see how it works and see if those threes can go in. But I want to ask you, is that because I mean, I see both sides. We were three for 21 at the half last night. I think two for 18 at the half against the Kings. Um, So like this isn't like a, something that's just happened against the Warriors, but no team is this bad a shooting team. And I think, you know, Patrick Beverly was one for five. He started 0 for four. I think Lonnie was like one for six. Um, Kendrick Nunn's the only one that hit. He was three for six of all that came in like minutes where we were down 20 something already Mm -hmm. so um do you think the shooting luck can turn because we're getting good looks now who's getting those good looks like i think that matters too um but i mean seven for 28 open threes on guys that should hit at least a respectable number from there um or is it still like let's just go big lebron hitting three out of ten like he was a 35 percent three-point shooter last year right so him hitting three out of ten or four out of ten is basically what you would expect right just with his percentages. Yeah, and those aren't like catch and shoot. Those Anthony are like, Davis, I didn't particularly care for any of the looks he got. So him missing all of them does not surprise me in the slightest. Um, three. Patrick Beverly, you know, obviously the Lakers brought him in to make threes and that has not happened so far. So that's a one for five that you would hope would at least improve to a two for five. But I mean, Lonnie Walker, not a shooter, you know, Juan Scott Anderson had like one really good shooting season, one not so good shooting season. And I'm sure he'll land somewhere in the middle, probably a so. one for three versus an 0 for three kind of guy. Right. I mean, okay. I think the Lakers finished 10 to 40 from three point range. Like maybe I could see that bumping up to like 14 out of 40. Right. Yeah. 14 mm-hmm. out of 40. Let's just do some quick math here. What does that give us percentage wise? So I don't sound ridiculous. Um, 35%. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's league yeah. average, right? I don't think they're a league average sure. team. So 12 out of 40 is probably <laughs> what we're expecting. 
<laughs> I think the problem is that they're taking 43 pointers. Like I understand mm-hmm. that um, a modern NBA offense is supposed to create lots of good three point looks, but unfortunately this is not a modern NBA roster. This is some weird construction uh, that as LeBron put it, doesn't have a lot of lasers, right? That was so, one way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the reason they're getting those shots is not because I think their offense is creating them, but because the defense is willing to concede those. Sure. So I would like to see more action going towards the basket. I mean, the a lot of the threes were of the pull-up variety, not so much the catch-and-shoot variety, right? And they're going to be open pull-ups because, like, Golden State came out in zone on a couple possessions, right? And one of those mm-hmm. open threes that the Lakers – ended up making was when Russell Westbrook out of an ATO was just like, I'm taking a wing of three against the zone. And it somehow went in. So I'm not expecting a better percentage. What I would like is for the Lakers to redistribute their shots going towards the rim. And I understand that then you're facing a math problem, right? Like twos versus threes, but Mm -hmm. there was just no flow on the offense, right? Like at least if you're getting action towards the rim, then maybe you can create drive and kick opportunities for threes as opposed to whatever was happening against the Warriors. Right. Well, the whole, like, at least from the first few preseason games that had somewhat of a flow, the whole point, and Darvin Ham spoke to this, was like, they want to be dribble handoff, five out, right, with AD. That's the whole point of it. The problem, though, was when you throw Russell Westbrook into it, the Warriors just were like, we're dropping fully. And I think here, I know you said you didn't care for any of the looks that AD had. I think it's important he at least takes some. He becomes a threat, right? Like, he has to at least be a threat from three. I don't think he has to be a good shooter. Like, he doesn't have to be a 40% three-point shooter. I'm not asking him to be Dirk. But, like, I also think, like, it bleeds into his other part of his game. Like, he, he took three I would threes rather AD just reestablish his mid-range jumper if he could get that elbow thing going again. I but think those that would help. Con- but those are connected, though, right? Like, But he's he not taking th- those shots, right? He's taking... I mean, I, it's only three threes, but I'm, I got to look at his shot chart again, but I, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel comfortable with the way that the Lakers were creating a lot of their threes. And maybe that's like, just. Well, the the way they were creating them was like golden state said, we're just having everyone right. put a, a yeah. foot in the paint, right? Russ drives, everyone collapses. LeBron drives, everyone collapses. And the kickouts to like Patrick Beverly, JTA or Russ, Walk, or Russ. yeah, who also. Really quickly, did you the second offensive possession of the game, Serena? This was our possession. Patrick Beverly brings the ball up to the right side of the court, right? Everyone's slow motion walking. This is second possession of the game. We just yeah. watched the Warriors get their rings, right? We're like, mm-hmm. this should be a hype, hype moment. Everyone's slow walking. Nobody moves on the left, left side. Patrick Beverly and LeBron and AD do this fake screen motion. They switch it. It's Patrick Beverly one-on-one with Draymond Green, and he does an isolation step-back three. No one moved that possession. It was a straight handoff. Looked like a practice preseason first game, and I'm wondering what in the world was that? And there's a lot of stuff like that. that Do you think Pat could take Draymond one-on-one? I don't want to see that in the ball. Right. He just needs to pass out of that. (laughs) Yeah, but it wasn't just that. It was this, like, just nonchalant basketball, right? Which was, again, it's seeping from last year, the kind of wounds from last year that you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're down 27, Serena, to a team that didn't care until after the first quarter, that stuff, like, bothers me in terms of, like, being a basketball fan. We're not at the Warriors level. I'm not saying to compare that. I'm comparing, no. like, 
let's be competitive, right? Um, but yeah, with like 80s jump shooting, like you said, you want him taking mid-range pull-ups. I think him not taking the threes kind of bleed into his confidence in mid-range shots. I think he like I think he missed his ones against Kevon Looney last night. Um Looney he, is awesome. By oh, way. he's he's incredible. What yeah. a great deal Golden State got him on. I feel like every playoffs we go, Kevon Looney is amazing. And then he comes back to the Warriors on some discount because <laughs> no one wanted him. I feel like that happens like every other every other we year. We should have given our mid-level exception to him, honestly. Then we could have played big. <laughs> He's not clutch, though, Serena. So it's, uh, it's a... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the bad. only mid-level exception of the last four years to not go to a clutch client was Avery Bradley. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at an AD shot chart, and he took five shots outside of the paint, all on the left side of the court. Um, none of them were in that elbow area, uh, okay. and he missed all of them. But I know I'm just, like, envisioning, you know, first round of the playoffs against Portland, him and Alex Caruso running this, like, very basic pick and roll against a dropping Nurkic, and yeah. him just cashing these pick and pops, know, 18 mm-hmm. pick and pop, 18-foot pick and pop jumpers, right? Like, that's, that's what I want to see AD do. I, I don't think... I mean, I don't think he has the confidence to shoot threes, for perfectly honest. But I do think mm-hmm. that we can like get him back there by just you know working outwards, right? <laughs> like <laughs> it's like a shooting drill. <laughs> uh, problem, like also that area, there's just no space, right? Because like it's really it's unless it's LeBron, if it's LeBron and AD doing that ball screen, teams mm-hmm. mostly switch that action because yeah, just the defender you have on either of them can kind of uh, right, right. switch off. And then if it's Rust and they're going so far under that, that like there's no room in that mid range. So what happened a lot last night, 80 would roll, but like he's rolling into six, like, you know, people in the paint. So he was taking a lot of contact. I want to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> he was taking sure. a lot of contact, but that's just the way the game is officiated. Like you're allowed to take contact in the middle of the floor versus if you're shooting a three-point jumper. What what do you think of him defensively? Because I thought he was everywhere. I'm just wondering if that's again, this is the issue going small. Is that like AD has to be a super superman on every possession? Is I thought that he looked great. I thought he looked great defensively. It's just that we were starting two bad defenders and like a minorly engaged one in LeBron. And I'm not sure how to classify Pat Bev at this point next to him, right? Like he was mm-hmm. never on the court with like multiple good defenders. Does so that lineup make his job very hard? <laughs> um, it's an excellent question. Um, I don't think Lonnie Walker's a bad defender. I think he did an okay. He was job getting lit up. I mean, he did the chaser role on Steph the best I think you could. I'm not judging him against Andrew Wiggins and Clay yeah, Thompson. That's like, true. there's nothing you can really do on those guys. But those I guys thought just so much bigger than him. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just a point of failure. There's nothing we could yeah. do there. But I think against Steph, he chased him around at least, you know, for until Steph like said it's time to, it's time to win this. Time to dance. <laughs> uh, y'all, man, there was one possession that he like he chased him, played him perfectly the whole possession, I, yeah. and then Steph does a fake the ball screen behind the back, and then fade fake the fadeaways jumper and i'm like good job lonnie walker like you made him do that like that's uh, that's a win for you steph takes a long two contested i think you won that possession i think you win just, yeah, yeah yeah you win that position um you're right lonnie is has been fine i think um but again just when you're playing him at the two and tapping at the three you're just setting the team construct up for failure right 
So <laughs> let's work. Wait, let's workshop this, Serena. So if we had to, LeBron and AD, what's our defensive lineup that can survive at least offensively? So if, like we need a stop. This is, I guess, this is technically a last five minute lineup because it's kind of what you'd want. Yeah. Um, LeBron will have the ball in his hands anyway. Uh, you need defense and just enough scoring. A LeBron around eighty. Does that exist on this current roster? No, no, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I think it, over the summer, in theory, I thought it did because I thought Patrick Beverly would be a lot more of a plus than. I'm not gonna that. lie, I did not watch a lot of Minnesota last year. Just you know, I tend to focus my basketball viewing to the pacific division it's just where you know I, sure. I live in pacific time it just happens that this is the majority of the basketball that i watch i watched basically every game patrick beverly played from 2018 mm-hmm. to 2021 mm-hmm. and this is a dramatic drop off from the guy who was like giving donovan mitchell business in the 2021 playoffs all right like he was making donovan mitchell's life a living hell and no one was bothered by him okay in this game Okay, so I want to kind of go deeper into this because, like you said, you've watched every game from him on the Clippers. What is like besides the dumb fouls? Because I think he's smart enough to at least the dumb fouls will happen. He gets to games where you know it just he's so jacked up all the time that he will Uh commit some stupid fouls. That's just part of the Patrick Beverly experience. Okay, but the like chasing around because I thought he was late a lot on these. Mm -hmm. He was chasing around Clay. I thought he was really late on the screens. Is that stuff that like you were used to him being good at? No, no, he was. Like screen navigation, I wouldn't say was like his number one skill, but like pressuring up full court was a thing that he could do without getting beat, you know, which I feel like now when Mm. he applies pressure, like guys are just zooming past him, right? Like it's not. He's 34. Right, right. Um, He was fine with the screen navigation. He was really good at uh, holding his own and like fronting bigger players in the post and making the catch difficult. Okay. Uh, And like, that's the theory of what he needs to be doing as a small forward here, but like. I don't think that he was making it difficult to get the ball to Wiggins or Clay at any moment. Um, the thing is, like, I do think he's like a pretty good point of attack defender too. But like, that doesn't really exist on the Warriors, right? Like, sure. Draymond is kind of their point guard, and like, are you going to put mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly on Draymond? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. The shooting is really what I've been thrown by because he was a really good catch and shoot player, um, and he's excellent at like just that straight line drive to the basket, but. I mean, with the Wiggins, mm-hmm. the block that Wiggins had on him oh, yeah. <laughs> was so disrespectful. But I just haven't seen any of that offensive juice. I mean, he looks slower defensively. And admittedly, like he's 34 years old. Like this is when players start to fall off and role players, because their margin for error is so thin, right? Like their skill set is so specifically suited to what they're doing that when you lose an ounce of that, like all of a sudden you're a dramatically worse player. That's kind of what I'm concerned by with Patrick Beverly. I hated uh, starting him at small forward. Uh, I just Googled it because I wasn't sure. He's listed at 6'1". Like, yeah, it's, he's 6'1". Yeah, and he looks all 6'1". Like some people mm-hmm. are short, listed at 6'1". They look a, a little bit bigger. But there's just like a point of, I don't think the talent gap between our players is big enough to where we can handle that type of like structural fail, right? Like we're we're three inches, four inches shorter than players. And yeah, like uh, the just... Clippers started Pat Bev at small forward in 2019 in the playoffs because literally the other options were like Garrett Temple or like Ty Wallace, you know, like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't because they thought Patrick Beverly could handle this responsibility. It was just, they had traded away a lot of their bigger guys at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. this is just who is left. So 
I worry that like because Pat Bev had, you know, some moments where he got in Kevin Durant's head, you know, in that postseason mm-hmm. that we've somehow come to the like opinion that he's capable of being like a small forward defender. No, no, no. He can switch, sure, but you cannot yeah. put him in that position for 48 minutes, like from the jump. That's just not tenable because like you said, he is six one and looks every inch of it. There was one play I like where like him and AD were defending a pick and roll. And I think he tagged it correctly. And like, he got a deflection out of bounds. And that's the kind of stuff I was envisioning kind of mm-hmm. like very Caruso light where they make the right play, right read and him and AD kind of uh, were like, yeah, we're on the same page there. Um, but it just looks erratic is the term I look like you're right. He has a bundle of energy and it's just, it's not really um, spread in like the correct form on the floor. Like, He's like sprinting up while like LeBron's walking up on the left side, you know, just like not the team synergy, Sabrina. Just it's did so not off. Look, it's, it's so off. It just did not look right last night. And again, like I don't expect us to beat the Warriors. I, I would like them to, to beat the Warriors, beat the Clippers, all that. But I'm not really judging them like on that. I'm judging like, do we look competitive? Do we look like a team that like, I am asking for a top six seed for a team with LeBron and AD on it. That doesn't seem like I should be asking for the moon. And yet <laughs> I say that and I get absolutely just uh, torn down with the responses. So, um, but yeah, we have not looked like that at all. Um, Darvin Ham is saying we need to get healthy. I mean, I feel like we're relatively, I understand, you know, Troy Brown, maybe, but. Uh, I thought Schroeder would have been nice in this game. Um Maybe Woody? they would feel comfortable enough with Schroeder to bench Russ. I don't know. Oh, I I don't think I don't we're know. there. No, no. I'm just I don't saying that, like, there. when you talk about chemistry and, like, being mm-hmm. on the same page, I have seen Schroeder in the not-so-distant past be on the same page with LeBron and AD. Right? Like, it's not something that I have to imagine. It's something that, like, physically <laughs> happened. And it was only, you know... 15 months ago like it wasn't a dramatically long time ago <laughs> two teams uh an extension ago i realize all of the nonsense that has happened both while he was on the lakers and since but like i remember you know dennis running that little back screen for ad on the baseline and just like mm-hmm. that you cannot switch that action. It would just get good results every single time. I remember running that at the end of a game. Was it against Boston or Philly on a road trip that we had like mm-hmm. um, in the dead of winter in the 2021 season? Like, I, I'm irrationally high on Truder at this point, And that is because <laughs> I cannot fathom how the Lakers complete a season with Russell Westbrook. Like we got the news uh, today. Woj reported on ESPN that, the Lakers aren't expected to make any moves for 20 games. Like they want to see how this looks until Thanksgiving. And obviously, you know, cue the black Friday discount jokes and yada, yada, yada. And like, they, they want teams to, you know, ideally have fallen off and like be more willing to sell off their pieces. What team is that? Indiana's already tanking, right? San Antonio already tanking, Utah already tanking. I mean, do you want to take on the long-term contracts of Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier? I don't believe that anyone has reported that the Lakers have made contact with Charlotte, right? Um, Are are you expecting New York to fall off? Like, is that what's happening here? I don't think that's happening. I think they look perfectly decent. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you expecting Washington to fall off? Like, what's the package there? So, like, are they retaking Westbrook? (laughs) Like, what what is happening? So, what is the team that they're expecting to make a change of heart after 20 games? You know, maybe, 
maybe I was just foolish and thinking like when the season started, we would just get pure basketball and uh it took one game for I feel badly for the 26 teams that are playing today that ESPN focused on this instead of those games. But yeah, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, first of all, 20 games is such a weird barometer to use. I mean, for number one, that's too late, in my opinion, at least. That's quarter of the season gone. Um, and it's a real gamble on what the team will be at that time. Number two, this isn't like this reeks of like fantasy basketball, right? Like where like you're not really dealing with real people. You're just saying like, yeah, let's just look and see what the team's record is. Then what do we do in the meantime? So we're like Darvin, it's not fair to Darvin Ham. It's not no. fair to LeBron and AD. It's not fair to Russ either, right? Like who's played? I thought he played well against the Warriors. Like I, I mean, I like, yeah, that stupid like deflection on the inbounds, whatever that was. <laughs> It was a real momentum killer, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. The, the broadcast team was just <laughs> absolutely. What was that? <laughs> I don't think he thought he would get the ball. That's like, like Pat Bev influence right there. <laughs> like he just reached thinking like he was getting air and he got the basketball. But uh, but yeah, like I thought he played well. But yeah, this report is just, first of all, why is this public? Like, why do we know the, why do we know the <laughs> amount of games is, is uh really concerning to me. But yeah, I would just, uh, I hate these conversations now, especially in season. Like it makes there's some rationale sense, but I would just like to focus on but team you now. You would I think agree with season. me, Raj, that you cannot envision a successful version of the Lakers that includes Russell Westbrook. And that's not again, that is not because Russell Westbrook is a bad player. It's because he does not fit next to LeBron James and the amount of money that the Lakers are paying him prevents them from stocking their roster with meaningful depth. Like that's the problem. It's not who he is. It's what he is in the context of the Lakers. Like, I want to make that clear. And it's just, but it's not working. <laughs> and we know that. But Serena, they made their choice. Like, we're here. Like, we went through a training camp. We went through the preseason. We are now at games. Like, you've made your choice. I now. don't like- care if they made a mistake by not trading him during training camp. The mistake and it would be another mistake. It would be compounding that mistake to wait another 20 games, right? That's, like, okay, that's fair. The Lakers are going to play the Clippers tomorrow, right? We talked about all the continuity that Golden State mm-hmm. has. The Clippers return, I believe, 14 players from last year's roster. Absurd. Like, absurd. Uh, maybe 13, actually, now that I think about it. But an absurd amount of continuity, right? Like, granted, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard didn't play the whole season. Paul George only played about 30-some games. But still same head coach, you know, most of the same rotation, same principles. They're going to look fine tomorrow. Ton of continuity. They're going to be starting a bunch of 6'8 dudes against three guards and LeBron and AD. And this is already a team that when the Lakers were at their peak had difficulty Mm -hmm. contending with, right? Like just the way that the Clippers are built. I mean, at a certain point, like, I don't want to say like the sky is falling if the Lakers are 0-2, but it's going to snowball really quickly. I just don't think that you can wait 20 games. No, you can't. You couldn't wait. The you couldn't wait. Training camp, like right. that's like we said that was the timeline. We actually mm-hmm. we said that LeBron's mini, mini camp, camp in Las yeah. Vegas in Las Vegas was the was the deadline. But this is what they've chosen to go with. Rob Blinka got his extension, so it means like we're gonna get a patient look at this, and we're just gonna throw heads into the fire here and see what the results go. I do They're not like to- a comfortable Rob Blinka. I do not like the decisions that he makes. <laughs> um but i mean you don't have you don't have to sell the indiana trade to me i'm like i was there three months ago like i know we did a whole podcast like imagining what the rotation would look like exactly (laughs) exactly we had buddy healed in there and everything um but 
yeah, I just think like now it's just unfair to have this hanging on the team every single day, right? And I would like a decision made. If you want to send Russ home, make that decision. But like this playing in between uh, doesn't really help anybody. And the basketball is just going to continue to look more and more ugly. You talked about how it can snowball. That's why I was like, when did I start bringing up the first six games? Like, th- like right when the schedule released, because I was like, this could yeah. really, this could really be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a team that's like already fragile, right? Because they right. don't have right. very many wins under their belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and why I, I thought the preseason was important, they didn't. But, uh, but you know, I mean, I, apparently I, they did for four games. <laughs> yeah, before the real players played. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I don't know, I. If they want to do the trade, that's fine. I just think like it's annoying to have this stuff come out. It's gonna come out after every loss, right? This Absolutely, every single time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's really going to come out because the players themselves said things like, "Oh, I know. I said that I, I know. Darvin Ham said that I looked him in the eye and said I would do whatever it took for took for the team." But mm. I don't really like coming off the bench, and I'm gonna complain about my injuries when I come off the bench or LeBron James, who like outwardly projects faith in the organization by signing an extension and then saying, I mean, the way our roster is constructed, we just don't have good shooters. Like that's it. <laughs> Has he ever said something like that before? I'm not sure. I mean, sure he if I've said like, it. you know, we need a playmaker before. Like that's definitely something that LeBron loves to say all the time, <laughs> but I don't remember him talking about a shooting deficiency. Right. Also the playmaker thing wrong. was like, no, 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 he's not. But the playmaker thing, I think it was like middle of the season, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it was much closer were... to the trade deadline. Like I watched, it... you know, body language, doctor, Brian Windhorst explaining, <laughs> you know, when LeBron James does the shoulder twitch, like what that means. But again, he's only really seen it around February, which Richard Jefferson also confirmed. So I, I don't think that we can say it's unfair to the players when they are the ones who are putting this out into the universe and like, you know, asking for something, but like the way I see it, 20 games is a ridiculously arbitrary deadline. What's going to happen is the the more logical outcome, which I hate to say this, means to wait after December 15th when all the players who sign contracts during this offseason become eligible to be traded. Like that's what opens a new like potential set of trading partners for you. It's just, are we going to go through two months of this? Yeah, that's the question. I mean, what kind of record would we have to have to where... Because also, they can easily sell... Like, yeah, we're not good enough to make this type of move anyway, right? See, I disagree because I thought LeBron, other than that first quarter, looked pretty good. I thought Anthony Davis looked pretty good. Like, you can see those guys and say, hey, if we just put, like, one person who could make a three-pointer around them, imagine what could happen. No, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, record-wise, if, like, you get to that point and they look at the team, like, okay, we're eight games out of the play-in, right? Oh like, just God. that's... That, no, no, sorry. Yeah, that was doomsday scenario. That's so but... bleak. <laughs> this is... I love basketball, Raj. Oh, love. sorry. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just giving scenarios here, that's all. I'm just saying, like, they can look at that and be like, you know what? Let's just play out this year, get Russ free, you know, free off the... off our um off our cap sheet and then move on to free agency next year. Um, But, Samir, just really quickly, you said December 15th, correct? Mm-hmm. that's 28 that's 28 games in that's that's a lot of games um but you're right you're right because they made no moves during training camp you can't just make a move after one game right like it it reeks of just organizational incompetence and i understand that we believe this current front office to be marginally incompetent maybe more so than marginally but like <laughs> just for them to save face they can't do that and they can't send russ home because it's just no i don't no know way. disrespectful to him and like it, the problem is, is they've made just a terrible bed to lie in. 
and the players that we thought like might help, you know, yeah, make this marginally more like palatable, you know, Thomas Bryant's shooting or Troy Brown being like an actual wing size player, like they are not available. So it seems even worse than it could have been. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't want to like go down to the spiral. All I'm saying is that I think we have enough evidence that Russell Westbrook does not fit on this roster. And that is the only move that the Lakers can make is moving on from Russell Westbrook. And I just think that the longer that the Lakers wait, like we're just, I mean, 38 year old LeBron, like that's it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're delaying the inevitable inevitable, yeah. but we knew this before the season ended last year that Russell Westbrook kind of didn't fit. Right. And we went into the off season think he was going to be traded but he's here. Like we've gone hit, we put him through all our training camp stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they're gonna try to see what this looks like. And you're right, they can't just trade him after one game. And for Indiana as well. I mean, if the Lakers are like in a terrible situation, they can see and- that's the problem. Like Woj is saying that the Lakers are waiting out to see which teams will, you know, have changed their fortunes. The Lakers are going to change their fortunes. <laughs> the Lakers are gonna be operating from a position of more weakness. That is the problem. <laughs> Really quickly, um, we started the show with the five and one thing, and you said you don't know who the Lakers play in the seventh game. I don't think I even looked this far because that first six just looked tough. The yeah. seventh game, Serena, it's against the Pelicans, who just oh dear, <laughs> who just curb stomped the just, Nets, <laughs> who just curb stomped. Yes, the game after that is against Utah, who won oh, tonight my. in Denver, yeah. um, and then it's Cleveland, who's really good good yeah. uh yeah then it's utah again in utah then it's the clippers again oh so um this first 11 oh games 10 <laughs> this is a rough for- why do we have the clippers twice in the first 11 games that doesn't really make a lot of sense okay um yeah i haven't looked that far but- i just want to end on a slightly more positive note because i sure. think i don't think we're like getting anywhere with this discussion here i mean obviously you and i have come to a certain conclusion and there's really nothing we can do about it at this point but again title of the podcast is i love basketball it is wednesday there were a tremendous number of games today that were really enjoyable to watch anything stand out to you that just made you happy that the nba was back rush yes one thing in particular and it's kind of somber as well but uh, brandon ingram looks incredible And he looks like I don't think I ever envisioned like a big Brandon Ingram, mm-hmm. but that's what he is. Like he's big with Slender big, Man, no more. <laughs> but like the thing is, usually like you lose the touch, the quick, you lose some of that. It looks all there. The fadeaway is still there. The afro makes it look just so like he just looks so different. But he looks huge. He's still hitting fadeaway jumpers over Kevin Durant. Like doesn't even see him there. I mean, yeah, I always brought it when we played the Warriors. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh. Zion, I think you know a lot of the women Yana stuff. Like it kind of makes you forget Zion was also like this generational type prospect, and you watch him move up and down the floor. That dude just—that's not a normal human being running up and down. So the Pelicans were really fun to watch today. How about you? I'm gonna complete this Duke trifecta by saying how much fun I had watching Paolo today. Oh God, Paolo is um, good. I don't know that i would willingly have watched an orlando or detroit game after about february of last year but on opening night so much fun to watch those two teams who both think like they've got next in the east and kate is awesome like duran had some really cool moments Jaden mm-hmm. ivy is just somehow gets to the basket all the time no matter the spacing that's around him <laughs> and then Paolo just like does so many fun things with the ball in his hands that you wouldn't expect for a guy that's that big 
it was I mean, just delightful watching like two teams that again why would I have watched them for like the last two months of the last regular season but hey here we are and it's great my, my bar on those type of players like it's not really something you can like quantify but Paolo was like at every public like basketball pickup place that you can play right over the mm-hmm. summer um I saw him in summer league too and he just looked so comfortable but like those type of dudes really like I feel like are ready like I think Chet Holmgren who got hurt he would have been kind of a I contributor think so too. day yeah. one like those type of dudes just love basketball and they know like they're comfortable in their game right like Paolo's not like oh I'm gonna get embarrassed like he just goes out and hoops and so I thought he'd be ready day one and he was um 27 points uh looking at his stats 27 points 11 for 18 he looked fun and maybe you know Orlando finally got there you know what was crazy about um paolo's game today is that so he set the rookie record for points in a debut for the orlando magic you know what Uh, the record was before him think about all the great rookies that orlando has had right Shaq, uh, dwight penny dwight Mm -hmm. the rookie record was 13 set by mo bamba (laughs) would have never got that one wow unbelievable <laughs> it's like when you look at the the lakers record books and see that you know the most points scored by a laker in his debut was danny green <laughs> it's like that <laughs> I, I remember like the kuzma has like one of the three-point records or something for the lakers mm-hmm. like he's up there and like one of the most three-pointers made uh which is interesting like you just see that all the lakers that played all the players that play Kuzma's like up there, even though he's only been here for a few years. So yeah, um, yeah definitely interesting. Anyway, uh, I'm glad to have ended this show on a more happy note. And <laughs> hopefully we have much better things to talk about the next time we reconvene in a week. Uh, but obviously, if you're listening to the show, you probably already know but Raj is going to be hosting spaces after every Lakers game this year on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're following him and following the Lakers SVN account because we will be tweeting out links to those shows. and. I mean, who would you rather talk about a game with than Raj Dupali? Like, I can't imagine a better person. So uh, we'll be back for I Love Basketball next Wednesday and talk to you then.